after day. It's no secret now that our world is in such a weird state that we don't know what could happen tomorrow. It often seems like we're riding on a train, and like I said, it's constantly getting derailed. When we get a step ahead, life tends to try to push us two steps back. And when these times happen, the question is, what do I do when life doesn't go as planned? What is your response when life doesn't go according to your plan? When I was in school, the plan was simple for every guy there. We were all, and not in a cookie-cutter way like this is what we're doing, but everyone had the same plan. You graduate, you get married, you get into ministry, you, you're in a church, you're helping out, you're serving, and you die in that same spot. That's everyone's plan. And it sounds a bit, it sounds comical, but that's what every guy at West Coast had, and that's what a lot of people in Bible college have. We have this preconceived idea that this is how my life is going to go. Now, we're all adults here, and there's some teens, but most of us are adults here, and we all understand that life doesn't always go according to plan. There might be something coming to your life, a financial trial, a health trial, some crisis in your life. You might lose a job or lose a family member, and all of a sudden your life has no meaning whatsoever, you feel like. All of a sudden it feels like God might have forgotten that you existed. And that's not at all the truth. The book of Job tells the story of a very special individual. A man who we could idolize as a hero of the faith. A man that if we looked at the Bible, he would be at the top of a pinnacle of men of faith. And Job chapter 1 tells us a story. So I want to look at this. I want to walk through it. And at the end, we're going to make some application. But first off, in the first five verses, let's look at this righteous man. Verse 1, there was a man in the land of Uz. How would you guys like to live in the land of Uz? I live in Brush, and that's bad enough. How would you like to live in Uz? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was a perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest in all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called to their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. In these first five verses, we see a man who we could idolize. We'd love to be around Job. He's the kind of guy that you could learn something from. Not only was he a spiritual man, but he was, he was a successful man. In the world's eyes, this man was as successful as you can be, both in his family and in his finances. He was wealthy. He had a lot. He had the land. He had the servants. He had the animals. He had a great family. But something happens. You see, righteousness is not a trait that we can give ourselves, but only God can give us. 
You see, remember that whatever we do, we should do for the approval of one. And that's God. Teenager, look at me. You are going to go to school this next week. You might be hit with some sort of temptation. You might be hit with a friend who wants you to do something that you know is contrary to what both your parents and the Bible say. You have to live your life for the approval of one person. And that's God. You might lose a friend keeping that stand. Adult in here, you might lose a friend for keeping that stand. You might lose relationships for keeping that stand. You might lose something important to you for keeping that stand, but realize that all-powerful God is in charge and he seeks your appro- he does not seek your admonition, but you should seek his approval. You see, when we are going through a trial, remember that we are being put through it for a test. And you will either pass and bring glory to God or fail and make Satan correct. We'll look at that here in a bit. But Satan is our great accuser. He has one role in our lives, and that's to bring us down. And we see this in the life of Job. But 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. I love that. Whatsoever ye do. Whatsoever you do, do all to what? The glory of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're sitting in a chair today and you're looking at me right now, and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your responsibility is to be a mirrored reflection of that person. If you are sitting in this room today and you, you, you can't remember a time where you've accepted Jesus Christ, you don't remember that time where you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are going to reflect only one thing, and that is your desires. Revelations 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Our world has this tendency to tell you, go be something great, go do something great, Go do the next big thing in your life when in all reality, the next thing you're supposed to do is what God wants you to do. Our world seeks after the approval of many. Our world seeks after financial success. Our world seeks after having that perfect home. But God seeks after having you, a humble servant, bring glory to him. Remember our lives, like I said, are mirrored reflections of the person that lives within us. If you are saved, that is Jesus Christ. If you can never remember a time and you don't know if, you've, if you're saved, you're reflecting the old man, the Bible says. Your sin nature. So we see this righteous man, but look at verse 6. We're going to see the devil's request. Verse 6, now there was a day when the Son of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, Satan, the accuser, came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence, hast, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now 
and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from that presence of the Lord. We see an awful request made. I love how God says that my servant Job, he feareth me and escheweth evil. That's the approval we should be seeking from God. If Satan was to go to heaven today and go in front of God and say, hey, what about your servant so-and-so? And he used your name, is, he gonna, is God going to say, he serves me and eschews evil? Are we going to have that same reputation in front of God? You see Satan, like I said, the accuser. This is a legal term. It's someone that brings offenses before God, comes before God, and his entire existence has become only that to bring you and me down. The world goes after themselves, and Satan loves that. The world goes after fame, and Satan adores that. The world goes after everything besides God, and that's Satan's plan. But when you decide to live your life for the approval of one, Satan's not happy. You see, Satan is the father of this world, and when we are born, we are born into his domain. The Bible says that we are born sinners, that we are born unclean. But you see, we live a tragic and sad and miserable life without God. And because of Adam and Eve, we live in this world. Genesis 3 tells us all, and we'll get to that in a second. But after their sin, we are separated from God. But thankfully, we have hope. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis 3. We're going to go to Genesis 3 real fast. Genesis chapter 3, this tells a familiar story to all of us, but it tells such an important story. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. Those four words shook where we are today. And you see, God, Satan will try to get you to doubt everything that God has said in your life. Satan's primary tool is disbelief in your life. Thanks, Elijah. You see, God does not create doubt. Let me say that again. God does not create doubt. God's word is clear on every matter you can come up with. If we study, if we read, God will give us the answers to every aspect of our life. But what Satan does is try to sneak in and say, did God really say that? Did God really say that? And the woman said, look at verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God, has, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. <coughs> and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God know, know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they were th that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto them, Where art 
thou? Kind of a contradicting question when you realize who God is. God knows all. God's all-knowing. God knows where they are. But he's asking them this question to, to give them a chance to come clean. And God asks that question to us every day. Where art thou? So I ask you, how's your walk today? How are you doing today? Do you realize we can drift as far as we want from God, but God never moves from where we left him? It doesn't matter how far out you get. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. If you've asked Jesus to save you, he's right there. If you haven't, he's right there. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, the Bible says. But he asked this question, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman that thou gavest to be, to be with me, she gave me of, those, of that tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto God, the, the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, and upon the belly, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's an important, important statement. Thou shalt bruise his, thou shalt bruise his he, thy heel, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He's talking about it. Who's it talking about? Jesus Christ. And you see, like I said, we're all born with a sin nature. We're all born with no capacity to do good. But God sent his son to die on the cross that we might have eternal life from thence on. You see, if you're living your life right now without Jesus Christ, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. I was talking with someone this week, and she was saying, man, I sure hope my family member was saved. She did all these good things. She did all these different things that was good. And I want to tell you, that's a good thing, but that's not the thing that gets you to heaven. Your actions will do nothing but impress people on this world. They do nothing for your eternal state. You see, God says that it's only by us confessing our sins and believing in him that we will have eternal life. And we see a man here. We see this righteous man is beat, by, is brought together by this devil's request. And we see why the devil only lies. But continue to look at this in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Here's a warning to us. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who have called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. You see, that's the God we serve. 
The God we serve doesn't throw us out and not support us. The God we serve doesn't let us go up against these trials completely alone. And it might seem that we're here in a second that Job is completely alone, but God's in complete control. 2 Corinthians 11:3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. Look at that word again. The simplicity that is in Christ. You see, Jesus is simple. Salvation is simple. Accepting Jesus Christ is as easy as what I just said. It's believing on Jesus Christ, confessing your sins, and asking him into your heart. But the moment you don't do that, if your life ends and you've never done that, you have made your decision. So we don't know what's going to happen to us when we walk out of here. There have been people in our lives that have passed away from accidents. They didn't know they were going that day. There have been people in our lives that have been taken from us, and some might have known where they were going, and it was an easier passing. We think of Rodney England right now who's suffering. He knows where he's going to be when he dies. But I couldn't imagine suffering through that and not knowing. You see, the devil is fighting us always, and he gives us, a number three, a tragic test. Look at verse 13 of Job. Verse 13. Let me get back to it. Verse 13 says, And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell them. While he was yet speaking, there came another one and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and have burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I am only alone to tell them. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell them. In a few short verses, Job loses absolutely everything in his life. He suffers a tragedy that I don't think a person in here can comprehend. Losing every one of your kids, every, everything you've ever owned, every bit of your livelihood, all in the matter of a few minutes. And we'll see his response. But you see, throughout the book of Job, we see that our character is put through this set of trials. And Satan takes his family, his finances. Eventually, he'll take his health. His friends will turn on him, and his wife will tell him literally the most encouraging thing a person could say. Curse God and die. Now, imagine if your wife told you that, guys. You've just been beat up spiritually. You've just been beat up physically. You don't know what's going to happen. And the person who's supposed to support you comes to you and says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? He lost every bit of support he had on this earth. You see, Satan will go to any extreme to get you to forsake God. There is nothing off limits in your life. 
that Satan won't, won't touch. Do you realize that? The Bible says that we are in a constant war with the devil and there is nothing in our lives that he won't try to get to, but every fiery trial is father-filtered and God will not abandon you. 1 Peter 5.10, But God of grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, we read this verse earlier, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. John 16.33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, but in the world ye have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let, her, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Romans 8, 31 starts one of my favorite passages in the Bible. What shall we say that, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay any of these things to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who hath made, maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are as counted as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the Christian life. The Christian life is a promise of trials, but the promise of protection as well. Accepting Jesus Christ into your heart means that you don't have to go through these things alone, but rejecting him means you will be alone through them all. You see, Christ doesn't force himself on us. God doesn't force you to come to his throne. God asked for you to come. God holds out that gift for you, and you just have to accept it. So we see this righteous man, Satan, requests to put him through a tragic test, and the last thing we'll see is his devoted response. Look at verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You see, in all these tragedies and trials, Job maintained a spirit of devotion and humility. Job was aware of something that we need to be aware of right now. God is always in control. Nothing has ever surprised God and nothing ever will. Do you realize the things you go through, you might be going through something right now that you didn't see coming. You might have been blindsided by a health risk or blindsided by something going on. You might have been blindsided by a tragedy in your life, but God saw it coming and God's in control. When your life, 
when your life was or will be derailed, God not only knew it was coming, but he's also equipped you for that trial. Job lost everything, like I said, in a matter of minutes. And in all of that, he did three things that we need to do next time we go through a trial. This is what I want you guys to get. Number one, stay humble. Stay humble. Look at verse 20. Or verse, or verse 20. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. You see, you cannot expect God to work through these trials if you do not realize that you cannot get through them alone, that you cannot get through them by your own power. Humility is the key to success during these hard times. You see, when you put yourself low, God will make you great. Proverbs 11, 2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. James 4, 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You see, if you're sitting here and you're going through a problem and you think, I've got this. I can handle this. This isn't too bad. I, I've got this. God can't help you. You see, when we're too big for God to use, we're too small for him to want to. So stay humble. But number two, you have to recognize God's in control. Look at verse 21. And said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, the biggest, problem, the biggest problems that we face in trials is that we think we can overcome them in our own power or that God's completely abandoned us. And both are completely wrong. The biggest problems we have as Christians in our lives is that, we, number one, we think we've got this, or number two, God doesn't care. And both are completely wrong. You see, in our own power, and our own understanding, we will do nothing but fall. But we, when we realize that God is in complete control, we will be able to make it through. Here's a suggestion next time you're going through trial. Remove your opinions, prides, and expectations, and God can then work. Next time you go through a trial, remove yourself completely and just say, God, I need you. God, take control. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you unexpected end. Isaiah 45, they, That they may know that from the rising of the sun, from the west, there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Proverbs 16, 4, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everything that happens in this world is completely governed by God our Father. Doesn't matter how tragic it is or how hard it's been, but you have to remember that God is in control. But finally, number three, you have to remain faithful. You have to remain faithful. You have to remain devoted during that trial. Look at verse 22. And all this, Job, what? He sinned not nor charged God foolishly. You see, when we get to the point that we don't think God cares, we lose any respect or devotion to who God is. 
God has not changed a bit, no matter the trial we're going through. You see, the test of a true Christian, the test of a a devoted Christian, is how their faith stands during a trial. Here's a question for you. Last time you went through a trial, how were your devotions? Last time you were going through a hard time, how was your church attendance? How was your prayer life? You see, when we allow a trial to dictate our devotion to God, our God has become our own self-interest and not God himself. When we allow our trials to become more important than God, that trial has become our new God. Our comfort has become our new God. When we allow anything other than God to take priority, that has become our God. And God does not share glory. James 1.12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You might be going through something really hard right now. There might be a family member not doing what they need to do. There might be a financial crisis in your life that you don't understand how you're going to get through it. Number one, God saw it coming. Number two, he's always in control. So just stay humble and follow him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. We ask that through this all, you show us what you want us to do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I have a few questions for you. How's life going? How's your life going? Are you currently going through something you, you kind of wish you weren't? Are you trying to rely on your own strength to make it through this? Are you trying to rely on your own experience, your own wisdom to make it through this trial? Because today, is it time for you to surrender control over to God? Is it time for you to lay it at the cross and say, God, I can't do this, but I know you can. Are you letting God have control? If you're here now and you are going through a hard time, how's your devotion to him? Are you going to God every day? Are you seeking his wisdom through his word every day or are you completely neglecting that part of your life? You see, God's not moved from where where you left him. And today you can go back to him. Let's stand. Let's sing one verse. Where he leads me, I will follow. Page 489. We'll just sing one verse. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, 
Tony, would you close us in prayer, please?